What's up, everybody? It's episode 90 of the Caesar's Show. They can't hold us back. You already know we're here in the spot. Man, I'm Trey Day XXIV. I'm here with your host, your boy, and I'll get into that in a second. But let's go ahead and rehash episode 89 of the Caesar's Show. You already know we talked about Damian Lillard going crazy bananas for 61 points. Dame and PG and Pat Bev's beef, little menage of beef, you know what I'm saying? You know, but Dame was kicking his, you know what I'm saying? And PG was kicking it and Pat Beverly was over there kicking it. And Dame said, yo, I sent y'all home. Stop talking to me. But you already know. TJ Warren going crazy in the bubble, but until he got to um, who? Jimmy. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Buckets. That is kind of an Achilles heel for the Superman that has been TJ Warren in the bubble. Also, we talked about the Red Hot Suns. D-Book, very Kobe-esque. One of his team to victory. The young gun. The young gunner. Young stunner. 100,000, you already know. And talking about the Lakers struggles, you already know their the front, their backcourt, not as uh, great as it probably should be. Their defense has been a little bit abysmal, but maybe they're just kind of resting until the playoffs get here. They have to face who? Dame Lillard coming off. But yeah, that was episode 89. Talked about all that good stuff. But once again, hello to our first, our last time, our Drake fans, all that stuff like that. This is the Caesar Show, and I'm here with my co-host, the boy, your boy, you already know, not co-host, your host, the host, Sir Caesars, was good with your baby. Ah, what's good, what's good, what's good? Another fun-filled episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You already said it here first. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at the Caesars Show, at Sir Caesars, at TradeXXIV. I want to switch it up today for episode 90. Trade A is just going to steer the ship, and I'm just going to be the one just, you know, sailing along the way. So go ahead. You already know, man. So let's get right into it. Yo, we're going to go into the awards of the bubble. You already know. Everybody needs their kudos, their congratulations. If that's your love language, words of affirmation. <laughs> the NBA is here to give it to you. All right. Trust <laughs> Jesus and Trey Day XA, XXIV are going to talk about it. You already know Trey Fayez. You already know Trey one take Trey. Fayez. Boy, <laughs> Trey Fayez. All right, but here we go. Dame Lillard with the unanimous MVP. You had the young gun, young gun, and young stunner himself, YMB, um, Dev Booker. <laughs> I didn't give that acronym the right acronym. But Dev Booker, um, who led his team to be 8-0 in the bubble. Um, we'll start with Dame first. Dame had about 37.6 points per game, 9.6. So if you you know round all that up, you got 38 points, 10 assists. Four rebounds a game. Dev Booker with 30 points a game, five assists, five rebounds. Um, then you have your, you know, your first team, uh, pretty unanimous was Dame, Dev, Luca, TJ Warren, Bubble TJ, and James Harden, who's been on a tear as well. Your second team, you got Giannis, the Greek freak, um, Levert uh, from, from Brooklyn, uh, Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets, um, Kawhi, Leonard, the Claw. Yes, from Clippers, and you had Porzingis again, another uh, Dallas pick. So, really looking at it, um, pretty pretty top heavy on the Western Conference teams for you know for the 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 kudos and the bubble awards. But let's let's really get into it, man. Uh, Going to talk about Dame, uh, him being kind of our generation's Allen Iverson. The beef came up, which even made it more of a spectacle. You know, stacked the ratings up. Instagram, Twitter, talking back and forth. Um, talk about Dame, what he's done in the bubble thus far, just doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like you said, Damian Lillard is literally at least my generation's uh, AI. And and like I said a little off air, what I love about Damian Lillard is how he's always cool, calm, and collective. He really let, really never lets anything phase him, and he really never has any, you know, excuses. You know what I'm saying? He's really the old-school type of guy where he doesn't have to team up with you. He has full trust in his organization, although we know that it's, at the end of the day is a business standpoint, but he trusts his organization to say, hey, I'm good enough where he can put players around me and I can make it happen. We've seen it since he got into the league. He hasn't missed the playoffs, so... Uh, for him to will his team, um, it's it's been pretty sensational. Like you said, he's averaged thirty seven point six, Dan Red thirty eight in a bubble, had a fifty point game, a sixty point game, forty point games. He's just been going stupid as well too. So um, have the utmost respect for him. Um, you know, we always said that you know if there's any team to make the AFC, it would be them as well too. Yeah. Um, 
And honestly, looking at their schedule, and like I said last week with the whole joke with white privilege with the Pelicans getting that and whatnot, <laughs> um, you would think on paper that the Pelicans, uh, you know, would cover that. Or, you know, Memphis would have that eight seed shirt up, locked up as well, too. But they kind of only want, I think, one or two games in the bubble. So if you'd have told me to get to the eight seed, um, Dane would be doing all this. I actually wouldn't be surprised. So for him to go seven and two in the bubble um, to earn their right to get the eighth seed, I mean, it just speaks volume to him. So, um, like I said, I copped this jersey right away. Uh, it was crazy, and I definitely want to cop uh, some shoes. I think I missed the sale. I think when you score 61, all 61 the shoes point. Were on, $61. Uh, $61 for his shoes. So, I was just mad because when I tried to order it, they only had, like, size 15 through 17 left. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wear size 13, man. Come on, That's I'm 6'4". Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Dame is just, you know, over the years, I mean, he really – I really started to pay attention to him, obviously, when he hit that game winner against Houston years ago. But he gained my respect even more um, when he basically dismantled the OKC of the old that we knew post-KD with yeah. Paul George and, um, and and Russell Westbrook. So um, at that point in time, obviously, you know, you have the Steph Curry's out and whatnot. But what can Steph do that Dame can't do? You know exactly. what I'm saying? I feel like if roles were reversed – he probably have two, three championships right now with the whole system with Golden State. Yeah. Um, no knock on Steph Curry, but Dame is coming, man, and he's gonna he's gonna be here for a long time. He's just not hitting his prime, and uh, we'll see what happens. And we'll talk about it later uh, with the playoff. Maybe this may be another upset. Uh, who knows? Um, going right, kind of diving deeper into this topic um, and, and steering it from where we were a little minute minute ago, and not bring it back. But honest to God being a basketball fans, fanatics, and just the gym talk and everything like that. We, if Dame, one, doesn't win a ring, right, we know how prolific he is. Do we have to reanalyze how we look at legacies when it comes to, to rings? Because we know Dame being the blue-collar guy, he's not going to ask for help, you know. He's going to demand it by his play and stuff like that, but he's not going to go run to the next team. That was his great with PG. And I think even more now, he solidified himself in being that, yo, I'm here to stay. Like, my organization is going to have to help me. And and the, we've seen players of lately have not waited for their organization that might not have the same interest as they do. Sometimes the, the organizations are, are complacent and they say, all right, we're going to rock with this team. We're good. The fans are coming in, whatever. But players are demanding trades. We already know that Dame is like, yo, I get it out the mud. I'm going to be here. I'm not running to ask nobody for help. Somebody wants to come play for me, cool, bet, whatever. So when we talk about legacy and we talk about, you know, history, not history, we talk about legacy, we talk about all-time greats, we usually go to run to rings. But if Dame, say Dame doesn't win a ring, does that change the conversation? Um... I mean, it sucks because we're prisoners of the moment, and at the end of the day, when we look back at history, it's it's about wins and losses. So when we say wins and losses, we talk about championships as well, too. But I think with seeing the greatness of Damian Lillard and kind of over the years, and even with you know the MJ documentary, kind of really realizing that it's a top-down type of situation where you get put in position to win championships, and obviously you being in a bigger market, I think we're going to have to revisit, um, you know, ranking players, um, their caliber of players, you know, even if they have a chip or not as well, too, because like you said, and like I just said, like, you need a lot of moving pieces to win a championship, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like we said last week, if you look from 2000 up until now, the only small market teams that won were the San Antonio Spurs, who got lucky through the drive. Obviously, had one of the best coaches in the world. Detroit Pistons had a little pit stop as well, too. You had Dallas in 2011, and then after that, you had LeBron with the Cavs. Other than that, it's been big market teams. So yeah. um, I think people need to, you know, ring, rings are rings are not always going to be everything as, as well. You know what I'm saying? So I think team, I think players are not players. I think fans and the media actually need to pay attention to what players are doing with. You know the surrounding talent, the system, the coaching staff, that just from the top down, what everyone has. Big facts. Um, and like I said, I think last week, it's kind of on the onus of the the league and Adam Silver to go and and really make it enticing for these big mark. I mean, slower market teams to thrive. So I don't know what you would do. I mean, there's some suggestions here or there, but there has to be an incentive 
to be on these lower market teams, to play on these local market teams that are doing very well. One, they don't get as much play uh, TV time. That's what, what really hurts as well. Um, you know, and you have teams like the Pacers, teams that are very young and gunning like the Suns. And, and what you could speak to it to is maybe like you go off of what they did in the past few years. If they haven't been good, why would you put them on TV? Who's going to watch that? And it's hard to plan for that. But there has to be a plan for the future going forward saying that, hey, you know, these smaller market teams are doing very well. They're they're getting draft players, people players that people want to see, but we're not having TV time for them unless they're playing the big market teams and stuff like that. And I think that would tie into even more how they were talking about maybe like shortening the league or less games. If you have big time matchups where it's very seldom that you're gonna be a like a blowout blowout because you have teams that are of you know any given night or like of strength the teams way up, you know, the competition is going to be more and you can say, all right, we're going to have less games because it's going to be crazier competition and and maybe the league will benefit from that. Who knows? Uh, going back to it though, Devin Booker, um, eight and knowing the bubble, uh, young gun. And, and we talked about off air how, you know, he's kind of tied up with his contract and so on and so forth. Um, just talk about if you were Devin Booker, right, and possibly you got pissed off in the next few years and wanted and demanded a trade, where would you take your talents to or where would you demand to be traded to? Well, first and foremost, shout out to Devin Booker, Phoenix uh, Suns for going 8-0 in the bubble. Crazy. Um, it's pretty rare when you go undefeated anywhere and not have any shot whatsoever to make the playoffs as well too. So I kind of wish, and what you talked about off air as well too, I kind of wish that – the AC gets solidified and 9-10 have a playing game and then whoever wins that game plays the AC. Mm-hmm. That would have been pretty dope mm-hmm. um, because I would have loved as a fan um, to see Devin Booker and the Suns go up again, Dame and the, and the Portland Trailblazers as well too. So literally the next second coming um, of, you know, the Mamba definitely has the Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sucks that, like you said, small market teams don't really, uh, you know, capitalize off of their market. So, they only have one game that was nationally televised this entire year. So it's to crazy. see them in the bubble um, working and working um, as well, too, it, it shows me nothing but um, a promising future for them as well, too. But to answer your question on where um, I would go, I would kind of just go to a team that I think needs that one missing piece to get over the top. So I'm looking at the East right now. And, you know, when I look at it, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, the Toronto Raptors, who obviously lost Kawhi, but – you know, they kind of got exposed slightly going up against Philly, and they didn't really have that person who you can say, hey, get the fuck out of my way. I'm going to get my bucket. buckets yeah. whenever. So that would be nice. Um, Giannis always need a closer. Maybe Middleton can prove it this year, but that would be a nice little big three. But honestly, I'm going to try to stay in the West, um, and I'm looking at uh, two places. Okay. You know, there's a young player who's in his prime. I think he's not even 21 yet. His name is Luka Doncic, and he has Porzingis right there. Great organization with uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, so that would be one option. And, then, you know, I don't know how LeBron's going to be aging, and I don't know if he's going to take a pay cut to, you know, keep stacking up and getting rings and whatnot, but I'm looking to play with AD and trying to get the pass and the torch for L.A. Okay, okay. Now, I understand that. Looking at uh, an article here, which is kind of interesting, um, I considered as free agents of uh, Big Ford. Um, it's, we talked about you know what could the Suns do to help him out to keep Devin Booker happy and stuff like that. Just some some players and pieces and two names that kind of stuck out in this article. Uh, player options with a real chance to be declined, which include players like Gordon Hayward, James Johnson, or Otto Porter. Um, of course, the first name on that list, Gordon Hayward. I think on the Suns, I mean, and, and it really depends on maybe he probably will want to get his money, you know, Gordon Hayward after the injury. And he's probably, what, late 20s, early 30s, Gordon Hayward. I think he's like 30. He's probably 30. But you never, you never know, right? So he came from playing with the Jazz, Celtics, maybe that, that Arizona Suns calling him. If they could find a way to get it done, who knows, after a player option decline. But yeah. also on the success of – the Celtics, which it kind of seems like a crowded group of people. It, it all depends on Gordon Hayward's mindset. But it would be very interesting if they say, hey, you know, we got this guy. He can stretch the floor. We already got Kelly Oubre that can be coming back. Um, and we'll just build off of this young talent, like, as we discussed earlier, and keep it going. It would be very interesting. And, and you know, maybe the numbers don't work out in, in real time. But 
who knows? Okay. Uh, so that's down to the first topic, uh, the bubble awards and everything like that. Let's get into this play in game, which was a um, a glorified, honestly, regular season game, but it it wasn't. It was a playoff game, as as we see here. The teams were battling the two stars, John Morant being young, but just forceful, understanding the game, the IQ being so high and able to fill the basket up crazy. I had a conversation. Uh, we talked about, you know, what takes John Morant to the next level. Uh, it might just be him shooting more volume on, from the three-point line, but honestly, he's a game manager in a way. You know, he, he makes good decisions. His, his percentages are what they are because he has the discretion to, to pass it, get the offense started, take his drives and whatever, and he can cook and make uh, – you know, opportunities for himself. Um, let's talk about him. Uh, 35 points, 8 and 4. Um, talk about rookie of the year. Um, Dame Lillard had 31 and 10. CJ had 29 uh, with a freaking fracture in his back, which, you know, <laughs> Scottie Pippen had a, had a hurt back, but how do you have a fracture in your back? <laughs> and, and, you know, and you're hooping <laughs> – from a guard level, I could see how it might be a little bit more, you know, a little bit easier. He traveled right there, too. A little bit easier being a forward, you know, a little bit less movement. But you're a guard as shifty as as C.J. McCollum, and you're going crazy with it. That step back that he hit, that boom, boom, shift, step back behind the line, three-pointer, and, and really kind of closed the game out, him and Melo with those shots. Melo had 21, Nurk had 22 and 21. Uh, and and what is you know rest in peace, rest in paradise for his grandmother. Uh, but let's just talk about that game. What did you see? Uh, how did you feel when you were watching the game? Like like just just, just give give me what you got. You know what I'm saying. First and foremost, I want to play his audio. Uh, <laughs> CJ McCollum saying it broke my back. <laughs> broken back. I mean, what what do you got left for the Lakers? I got a lot left. Uh, the good Lord has taken back. I broke my back. Spinal. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, chill, <laughs> chill. Oh. <laughs> Uh, man, I mean, that playing game was flat-out sensational. Um, I watched it at my boy's crib, Reese crib. Shout Spot out to OG. OG. Watched it over there, and um, I was a bit nervous because the one thing that we're, we're going to talk about a little bit later with, with Portland is their Achilles heels is, you know, as potent as their offense is, probably one of the best offenses in the league, yep. they are atrocious on the defensive end as well, too. Mm. And I don't even think it's an effort thing because it looks like they're giving effort. They're just defensively challenged. Mm. Um, but, I mean, a lot of back and forth. I think at one point in time, Portland had about a 15-plus point lead, and Memphis was able to storm back as well, too. But uh, just to talk about it, like you said, Nurk, um, you know, who really shouldn't have been playing. His grandmother passed away. I don't know from what implications there were for him to come out there and, you know, average 22 and 20, I mean, to give you 22 and 21 mm -hmm. in essentially a game seven type of situation because if Memphis wins this game, they kind of have, um, you know, the edge going up again because they just have to win one more. So for him to come in, um, for CJ to be, you know, having a messed up back mellow to look like mellow of old, I know he hate, probably hates when he says that and for Dame to, you know, you know, come out with 31, um, bespoke high volumes, but I was more so impressed with, John Morant, um, if you didn't see the game that, or if you only if you only tuned in and watched him now, he's been doing this all year. Yeah. Um, so for him to, you know, even will his team to the eighth seed, um, and you know, obviously get bumped out with Dame, um, it just speaks high volume because he's a true rookie of the year. And I don't really like to cite people like that, but I feel like he's. The second coming of Derrick Rose, like okay. he reminds me of D Rose a lot as well too. So um, I think <sighs> for God. him to be 19, 20 years old, he pretty much has everything he needs. Is now just waiting for the game to slow down. Obviously, like you say, he's a game manager, um, but waiting for the game to slow down, um, becoming more of a vocal leader, um, limiting his turnovers, and just getting a more consistent jump shot and trying to learn how to land. He kind of looks like D Rose whenever he land from mm -hmm, pre ACL mm -hmm. injury, so he need to work on that. But other than that, man, he's going to be an All Star for years to come, and um, I think he's going to do well. But Portland showed some fight. I mean, literally every game gave me anxiety um, going into the fourth quarter. Like, damn, yeah. like I know you guys are challenging defensively, but just something about you guys right now is just very Cinderella like. So you're going to find a way to beat the odds as well too. Yeah. So I get that game about a five star and. Um, the, prop, the, the future's looking promising for Ja. 
Okay. Okay. Um, God protect Ja Morant because we want him to have a healthy and long NBA career playing how he plays. Um, going into it, just a couple God. thoughts. Yeah, ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Dude, we're watching the highlights of uh, the, the, the play the playing game and oh my gosh, just I mean, and shout out to CJ, man. Yeah, what? That boy cold, bro. That yeah. boy cold, fractured back, man. Back spinal, fractured back, and homie just he just delivered in crunch time, and then I hate. You know, people who like to, like a Skip Bayless, who likes to bash uh, players who will give you 50, but if they don't, quote unquote, shoot, a, I mean, make a shot within the last couple of minutes, that don't take away from what they've been doing. They they literally willed their team to get there and made the right plays. Like, what do you expect when Damian Lillard's getting double teamed when he, right when he gets the ball and then they pick him up right there? But that's that's the whole point of having a team. You know, no, no one man does it by himself. So for Portland's, uh, Damian Lillard supporting cats to step up speaks high volume. And CJ, keep doing what you're doing, get them shots in your back, and just worry about that injury when it's all said and done. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of Skip Bayless, man, he's very much the journalist. If it reads, it bleeds, man. He doesn't really go into like the 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 real. And, and I'm saying this in all due respect because you know when he says stuff, it's like yo against the Dame and stuff like that. Uh, it's just if it reads it bleeds, you know, like yo, let me get the headline out there. Let me talk about the controversial stuff. So I mean, yeah. that's his job, cool, whatever. But w- when we're looking at it from a, a very analytical standpoint, from a basketball fan, people that like, keep up with this stuff, it's like yo, it's more than just you know you saying oh he didn't hit a big shot, bro. It just it, there's there's more factors to go into it, right? And, and yeah, CJ McCullough, get off me. The, the the behind the back three that he oh my gosh going into it again um but John Morant performed and and they were down a player in in what, Jaron Jackson right who yeah. was out with the knee injury yeah. so maybe the rotation was benefited because everybody was in a rhythm and looked like they were in very good rhythm um but who knows if he was playing how it was definitely with the Blazers not being so great on defense, you know, maybe Nurkic put up all those points on offense, the rebound, stuff like that. But who knows if you got, you throw another body in there that can get up and go get it like, you know, Jackson can. Uh, let's talk about the foreseeable future. Um, same topic, but we're talking about the Portland's defensive struggles, right? We know these guys can go out and get a bucket whenever they need to, it seems like right now. Um, and I'll start here. With the Lakers, you have LeBron James. That, of course, are we, are we getting into the playoff? Uh, 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 not no, not predictions, not oh, yet. Yeah, I'm, yeah, we're yeah. talking about the the projected um, kind of feeling. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of rehash that, but kind of feeling. You have LeBron James that's kind of sitting back watching this, right? So, so does it change your outlook? And you don't have to go into playoff predictions because we'll get there. But does it change your outlook watching them and seeing how they struggle with defense um, about the possible? Upset, right? So you have LeBron James that has had a few days of time. You have the team that's going uh, very uh, just watching this. Like, all right, you know, I see that. So, do you think that King James comes out and just puts a foot on their neck and it gives them a little bit more trouble? We'll go into the numbers later, right? But do you think it gives them a little bit more trouble because the the the, the front court and the back court matchup? You know that the Lakers are going to go crazy in that front court. Uh, the backcourt being, you know, the guards and stuff like that. Do you think it does it change your mind a little bit? Does it does it give you a little bit more of a worry? Do you think that Portland's gonna have a legit shot at taking down throne? Well, like you said, I don't want to talk too much into it until we get to the playoff predictions. But I think LeBron James, in his mind, kind of knew he was going up against Portland, so I think he approached it like he's going up against them. Obviously, they do have a weakness; um, they don't really have good uh, wing defenders. So LeBron's okay. gonna eat. Okay. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. We'll, we'll skip to that. <laughs> skip to that. All right. So let's talk about the Pellies, the city of Nylons, New Orleans Pelicans, uh have dismissed uh given the boots, um, eviction notice, um, Ouch. waved bye bye Dame Lillard style to Coach Alvin Gentry, who sported a one hundred and seventy five wins to two hundred and twenty five losses records as the Pelicans head coach and that's all that needs to be said about that please how, how do you feel about that sir Caesar? um i mean i think he's a solid coach um honestly i thought he was gonna be fired way before this but you know it kind of sucks when 
when your GM slash owner doesn't do a good job in bringing in the sufficient talent that you need mm-hmm. to truly see what you, you're capable of doing. So I thought they were going to give him a benefit of the doubt because this year Zion did have a knee injury. They did lose Anthony Davis. When Zion came back, he only played in spurts, so he couldn't really fully play 30, 35 minutes a game. So we couldn't really see – and their team was built around Zion essentially this year, so we couldn't really get to see yeah. Alvin Gentry coach to – his top tier ability, the best of his abilities as well, too. So I think it was a little bit unfair. But at the end of the day, if you're not winning, then you're going to get the boot. I mean, yeah. is he going to find a job elsewhere? I don't know if it's going to be instantly as a, coach, a head coaching job. He may have to take that Tyron, Tyron Lou route and be an assistant. Yeah. But, I mean, when you're 175 and 225, I mean, it's, it's time for a change of scenery. And the Pelicans look like they're just ready to start from scratch again as well, too. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised in the offseason if they, you know, look to shop Girardi, who's one of the most underrated players. And Very much so. Trying to figure out what to do. Um, so, it sucks, but, uh, I mean, well, we'll let's just see. I don't know. Let's let's go into, you know, we say this, this is his record, but if you look back uh, at the beginning of the year, they were a very much a fun team to watch, even without Zion, right? So they were losing games by very small margins. Um, and and maybe that does go into the coaching where you're like, yo, maybe if yo, you would have drew this play up correctly, it would have put your team in a better position. But also you have, um, other than like J.J. Redick, you don't have many, and, and Drew Holiday, you don't have many veteran players to to kind of, or, or super brand name veteran players to, to execute that game plan at the end of the game. So they were losing games by very small margins. You get Zion back, and they're picking up games crazy, which puts put them into the conversation, put them into the bubble. Because Zion's playing well. He, he looks like a force, you know, them going back and forth. Zion had uh, whatever, how many points, and then LeBron had how many points when they were playing. That, that little series went back and forth. Uh, shout out to West Side Gun. Uh, Zion had 30, LeBron had 50. Um, but, but really, you see, it was very – very slim, and they could have been over that hump. So maybe, you know, this will be the catalyst for them to grow more and and, and be a better team. But it seemed like they had the pieces they needed to stick around. They just weren't winning the games, you know. And it doesn't help that, you know, Zion Williamson wasn't playing in the bubble. Can can you speak to that? Do you think it's more of a lingering injury? Are you protect, how, do you, how are you protecting your player? Are you thinking they're just saying, hey, let's tank it and let's see if we can get a lottery pick in a way? Like, what do you think is the mindset for that there? I mean, obviously you can tell that they tanked because the the when Zion came back before the pandemic started, you, you saw how they just had this new form of energy yeah. and they really took every possession serious. Going and crazy. It was like now um, with Zion, they – they just don't know how to go about his career for the time being because we've never seen someone who's six six, <laughs> almost two hundred and ninety pounds like that. That's unprecedented. So um, I think at the end of the day, like we said the past two episodes, you literally just have to take the chains off of him. If he get hurt, he get hurt. Like yeah. I said before, this is going to be the best in shape uh, from a physicality standpoint that we're ever going to see him. So you just got to let him play, and then. F- if he does have any setbacks, you learn from that and you move forward. But yeah. um, you just gotta let him play, and it, and and uh, he can bounce back at nineteen. But if you you know put him on ice for a few years, he doesn't know how to play the game. Not know how to play the game. He's an NBA player, but there, there's different feelings that you are gonna have when you're playing and versus when you're coming back and trying to hoop. We went to a hoop tournament up in D.C. Um, shout out No Sleep Sports. And I'm coming off of, you know, quarantine and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm a very regular hooper. It's just a different feeling, man, when you haven't really been playing and you go back out there. Now, if you have been consistent, say, past years, I'm consistent, 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 playing three, four times a week, and I go up there, my body's feeling totally different. Like, when I jump, boom, I'm getting to the rim, stuff like that. But you sit on your tail or, you know, you take time out and you're not playing as much as you need to play, your body's not going to react the same. So you don't even know what your body can do, injury or not injury. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm up there in age, but I'm not 19. So an injury right now is not going to affect me the same way that it's going to affect Zion. And we're still in that same, that same generation in a way. But at 19, if you, something hurt, whatever like that, bounce back, you know, no matter what the injury is, as long as it doesn't disable you permanently, you can rehab it, boom, boom, bounce back. And we're praying to God that that doesn't happen because he has had struggles. But, dude, you have to go out there, definitely from an organizational standpoint, make sure he's in shape, 
and then you play your star player as much as you can play. You know, if he's quote unquote LeBron esque, whatever like that, LeBron wasn't taking no games off. You know, and and granted, they have very similar in weight and kind of height builds, whatever like that. But LeBron was a different monster. We'll, 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 we'll give it up like that. Like very, you know, we haven't known LeBron other than growing injury to have an injury. For the most part, you know, takes very good care of his body. But you have to, have to, have to, have to play your star player. That's that on that with the Pels and the Islands. And we'll see where uh, they they take their, their their talents as far as looking for a head coach and and see what they do with some of their pieces that they have and what what gets them in there. And you know, we'll see what happens. But to to the part we've all been waiting for, we have our. First round playoff predictions, right? Um, let's start with the East. Um, we're gonna start Bucks and Magic. All right, one seed Bucks versus the eight seed Magic. What's your prediction? Ah uh, man, I mean the Milwaukee Bucks, well-oiled machine. They are legit. About to have uh, two-time um, MVP, and it looks like he's about to be a defensive player. Yeah, I think Michael Jordan was the only player to actually get both of those awards in one year as well. Too. Sheesh. I mean, there's a reason why they're 50, 56 and seventeen. Um, obviously, asterisk a little bit because they weren't able to play eighty-two games, but mm-hmm. there's a reason why they were the best team all year long. They mm-hmm. had the highest win margin whenever they won the game as well. Too one of the best home records. Um, and, you know, they have a superstar in Giannis, and they have an all-star, multiple-time all-star with um, with uh, Chris Middleton, and they have a great coach in Coach Bud, and um, they have depth from, you know, player number three all the way to player number 15 as well, too. So um, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, they didn't have the best record in the bubble, but I felt like it was more so, more so of them trying to get back in rhythm and, and, you know, they were able to have a couple of situational type of games going in the fourth. So I think that's going to help them moving down the stretch. And they kind of proved that, um, you know, obviously they messed up with the Rockets, but they bounced back um, again as well, 2-1. and one. But they've proven that they uh, have what it takes this year. I mean, the only team that was stopping them last year was a Kawhi-led um, team in the Toronto Raptors. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Magic have no shot <laughs> at, at beating the Milwaukee Bucks. You can at me, you can do whatever, but I got the Bucks in four. The Bucks in four, and we're gonna have to agree on that. I have the Bucks in four as well. I just I don't see it happening. Giannis is gonna go on a tear. Um, the Magic have been fighting this year, resurgence of Markel Fultz, as well as the other pieces. Aaron Gordon still under hooping very well, um, but nah, Bucks in four. We have this. Another matchup, uh, two Raptors versus Brooklyn. Um, so, what are your predictions on that? Um, I mean, that's a tough one. It's kind of crazy with the Brooklyn Nets. You're, you're fucking missing a literally a starting five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. KD's gone. Kyrie's gone. Spencer Dinwiddie's gone. Uh, Torian Prince is gone. And also DeAndre Jordan's gone as well, too. So, for the Brooklyn Nets to literally sign players and, you know, just do things on the fly. And, and Jack Vaughn leading the way right now. Hopefully he can, you know, potentially get a job mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as a full-time head coach. I don't know if they want to stick with him because it seems like he has a post of the locker room right now. They're all agreeing with them as well, too. Or they want to go for a seasoned vet um, as far as a coaching standpoint. But they're 32 and 35 this year. Um, and they've proven, although they don't have a winning record, they're always going to fight in each game as well, too. And they kind of impressed me um, in the bubble as well, too. So, um, obviously, with the Toronto Raptors, you know, another great winning season. I think they had a better win percentage with without Kawhi this year than, as opposed with Kawhi. Um, you know, they have the best coach, best GM, um, have the most depth, in my opinion, in the Eastern Conference as well, too. And Pascal Siakam stepped his game up to another level. Kyle Lowry, um, you know, has finally got that monkey off his back. Fred Van Fleet's looking sensational right now. OG's back. Um, they got they got size. They got depth. They, they got everything they need. The only thing I'm concerned about um, with them is, you know, who's going to be that closer? I mean, okay. it kind of works to their advantage because they don't have a superstar, so it's kind of harder to prepare for them because anybody can go off for 20 in any given moment. Um, but I think – the fact that we're in the bubble is going to be a little different. Obviously, to beat the champs, you got to be to be the champs. You got to beat the champs mm-hmm, as well, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're going to have that championship pedigree. But I think Brooklyn, um, Brooklyn is good at? enough to Brooklyn win a couple games. So uh, it's a little crazy. 
I'm going to go with the Raptors in six. Okay. All right. I understand the sentiment of you uh, giving the Raptors a few games, right? I would give the Raptors, Raptors, not Raptors, I'm sorry, Brooklyn a few games. Um, I would give the Brooklyn one game uh, just because the well-oiled machine that is the Raptors, the different defenses like we talked about, they do a lot of people, the communication, the um, camaraderie, all that stuff like that. And just on the flip side of that, you know, even proving my point more, I think what's going to hurt them the most is that they got rid of their head coach midway through the year, right? And I think, yes, they have had a very good record. Um, even since then, you know, the team stayed together. And maybe, you know, maybe the head coach and the assistant coaches worked very well in tandem. So it wasn't really uh, too much of a fall off with that. But I think it does hurt you going into the playoffs, big pressure scenarios. Um, it's about adjustments and stuff like that. That it's going to be tough to beat the defending champs um, in your first round via new coach. So I'm going to have to go the Raptors in four. Actually, I'm changing my prediction. Um, Nick Nurse does a, a great job at game-by-game game adjustments as well, too. But the thing is, I don't know, it's tough because Brooklyn, like although they don't have that quote-unquote star they have, and they just compete. Yeah, um, and I'm not I'm not basing my prediction but, off of their stars. Yeah. I'm just bracing it off of of game planning and adjustments. Yeah. And I don't. So so I'll change my prediction and I'll go with Toronto in five. Okay, yeah. all right. That's, Toronto, Toronto in five. That's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. Yeah. Um, moving along, uh, we got three Celtics versus the Sixers. Um, one of the bigger matchups. You know, these last two are, are very interesting. Um, and if you even see from the document, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, from my last one, but. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw mine out the first. Um, I'm going to go Celtics in six. Um, I think that off the strength and just off the grit, uh, the Sixers are going to pull one or two out, right? Um, Brad Brad Stevens, being the mastermind that he is, uh, is going to put the Celtics in a very good position. Um, Their guns are going to be hopefully – Doing very well. Uh, it's all going to be based off the uh, the play of who um, Kemba, but mainly Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Sixers falling up. You have Embiid on the inside, as well as um, you know your support role players. You got Harris. You got Scott. You got um, Shake. Right. Um, again, don't think they have everything in line. To, to overtake the Celtics. Uh, so I'm going to go Celtics and six. What you got? Um, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you, Celtics and six as well, too. And um, obviously, they're your dark horse, which is crazy. You're trying to jump ship right now. He know when oh, yeah, yeah. I'm jumping sixes. ship. I'm jumping ship. Anyways, um, I mean, they're just at a disadvantage in all aspects. Um, who's a better coach? Not Brett Brown. Who has more chemistry? Obviously, the 76ers. Yeah. Um, who has a better guard size wing play the six, the Celtics as well too no home court advantage you're in the bubble yep, um, yep. I think the Celtics have a more balanced offense but the biggest thing that sucks and and and, and that's going to show is Ben Simmons not being there yeah now Ben Simmons not being there um I like I, I said this um a couple days ago as well too Ben Simmons you know what I'm saying if if you take out Rudy Gobert out of the equation like I had him top three um, for, you know, for defensive player of the year voting as well, too. So you have someone who led the league in steals and was ranked third in deflections. um, And he was a primary defender um, in the regular season against Jason Tatum, who didn't really play that well. Um, You're you're asking yourself for trouble as well, too. So you're missing a guy who is kind of like LeBron James, like who can, you know, plays Plays, plays towards his strengths with his power and speed, athleticism, gets down transition, finds the open man, is great at finishing, um, is, is a great screener. And like I said, he's one of the best defenders um, that can you know guard one through five as well too. So you miss him um, and you just have to find a way to win. So uh, it's going to be interesting because Kemba Walker was on the minute restriction. Um, he's still battling knee problems. So how efficient is he going to be? How many minutes is he going to play as well too? And with Joel Embiid, obviously we knew he messed up his ankle, um, and he also had a you know non-concerning uh, thumb injury as well, too hand injury. So is he going to be good to go? You know, what I'm saying the Celtics are undersized, mm-hmm. and Joel Embiid should be eating. Like I don't know how in shape he is right now, but he should play. Uh, he's going to have to play at least a minimum of 36, 
you know, plus minutes. Okay. Um, so I think he should average 35 and 15 a night as well, too. So you're just literally going to have to play inside out. Um, and it's kind of advantageous towards Brett Brown because obviously his coaching job is on the line. But I think Ben Simmons, he's just a unique player where he's, although he's great, I think he kind of takes away from Brett Brown's full coaching capability. So I think we're going to actually see it on full display right now. So you're actually going to be able to play with four out, one in. Um, and you're going to probably just more than likely have, you know, Joel and B try to beat you. Um, so you're going to, if you double team him, shoot, kick it out to the open shooter, which is going to have a, a luxury of shooters around him as well, too. But I think the Celtics are just the better team, have more depth. Um, they have a lot of playoff experience, and I think they're hungry. So um, you take aside everything that went on last year with people, with this team who's, you know, who has even a Gordon Hayward back who's back in his prime. Um, I think it's just going to be too much for him. So if, if Ben Simmons was there, I may give 76 a nod, but I believe Joel Embiid can win you at least two games and take advantage of uh, the interior defense of the Celtics. So I'm going to go with Celtics in six. I got you. I got you. Right. And I said Celtics in six as well. Okay. So agreed upon that one. Uh, let's see if we differ right here. We got Bubble TJ Warren, the second coming of Bubble TJ. Of, 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 of baby, uh, 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 of, 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 you know what I'm saying? He's the second coming of just the greats that would be. So we got Bubble TJ versus Jimmy Buckets. I don't give up what you think or what you're doing. I'm just going to beat you no matter what, Jimmy Buckets. Um, fourth seed Pacers uh, versus the Heat. I'm going Heat in seven. Hmm. What you got? Um, I mean, this is the four versus five seed is always basically the most even matchup, right? So you expect nothing less than the six or seven game series as well, too. But Sabonis is banged up. Um, Victor Oladipo still isn't back to his full form. Obviously, he suffered a gruesome injury. Malcolm Brogdon has been in out of the lineup with neck injuries as well, too. And then uh, TJ Warren, although he says he's going to play, he's battling plantar fasciitis. Yes, I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. So, <coughs> great to never want to play. Hopefully, um, it doesn't get too serious to the point where he can't finish off the series as well, too. But I think although TJ Warren's been going off, um, Jimmy Butler just adds that extra dynamic to the Miami Heat as well, too. Um, we saw what they did with and without um, Jimmy Butler. So um, I think that the Heat are the Heat have the better coach. I think they have more depth because Sabonis is out, because um, the Pacers are battling these injuries as well, too. So um, you're looking at the depth of Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler, who's all star this year, going Drogic, who um, has accepted coming off of the bench, and we know that he's a starter caliber type of player, and is pretty good at getting buckets. His dribble drive penetration is crazy. Um, can create for others as well too, and still has it. You got an all star Bam Adebayo. You got Kendrick Nunn, um, arguably top three, top four rookie of the year. Tyler Hero, who's emerging as sniper, and Duncan Robinson, veterans, and Jay Crowder. Um, you know uh, Kelly Olynyk, Myers Leonard, Andre Iguodala, who they just picked up as well too. So I think, um, I think they shut down T.J. Warren, and I think they won in five games. Okay, okay. Well, barring a shutdown, this is not gonna go as long. Um, but I think if everybody's playing like they were playing in the bubble, mm -hmm. uh, maybe it'll go a seven series. But no five games is very much uh, the the very good take to have. That's mm -hmm. I got a hot take with a seven. Uh, moving along, uh, gonna wrap it up pretty quickly here. Uh, but we do have two big ones to talk about at least. Um, Any order you want to. You don't have to do that. Yeah, it's just straight. But uh, in the West, right? Um, we got. Lakers versus the Blazers coming up. Kind of touched on it. Um, give me what 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 is going to most interest me here is the game count, right? So I was going to say Lakers and six, which is fair, very safe. What about you? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I love the underdog mentality. So in a perfect world, uh, you know, with my heart, I would want to see an upset. So I would I would say Blazers in seven, but the league will never let I'm that happen. Going <laughs> to have to go with the Lakers in six. Um, plain and simple, they have the best player um, in the NBA, LeBron James, um, a top three, top five player. You can argue with Anthony Davis um, as well, too. And uh, LeBron is just looking for his revenge as well, too. So. 
Um, what gives me hope about Portland at least winning two games or trying to force seven games is probably because of their high power offense. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard to stop them. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to stop them. So you're not going to um, essentially stop them. So it's going to come down to who can make those defensive plays, who can make the most stops um, in the fourth quarter. Because I think when it's all come, when it all comes down to, there may be one or Actually, there probably won't be any blowout games, to be honest. I think they're all going to be close games. And what's been concerning me about the Lakers is you lose an Avery Bradley, you lose a Rajon Rondo because although there's no answer for LeBron James, there's mm-hmm. no answer for CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard as well, too. I mean, you ask in Danny Green, who's getting a little up there in age to guard him, but KCP can't hold CJ or Dame. Um, LeBron's not going to guard CJ or Dame at this point in his, in his career. Yeah. And we know uh, Deion Wade's not going to guard him. J.R. Smith not going to be able to guard him as well, too. So it's going to come down to who got stops. Um, I think Portland has enough bodies to at least kind of bother AD. I mean, I know a couple of years ago when they swept them, I think in that closeout game, AD went for like 44, 46 points, which is crazy. But Nurk has gotten better. Um, they got a son white side as well, too. Um, but it's going to be interesting because – you can look on the Lakers side, and they got not only AD, but you also got Morris, you got Dwight, you got uh, Jamel McGee as well too. So I think it's going to really come down to exploiting your weakness, your weaknesses, and um, who can make those stops. So I think the fact that the Lakers have more of a, a playoff experience is going to put them over the hump. But okay. if the Lakers don't knock down the shots, which they've been struggling the most in the bubble, it's, it's been the hardest for them to adapt. It's going to go six, seven games. If the Lakers knock down their shots, they could get them out in five games. But knowing that there's no home court advantage and and knowing that it seems like a more of a sense of urgency for Portland, they're just going to come out and play. They have nothing to lose. We all know that the Lakers are the favorites right now to win the whole thing. Um, but I'm going to go with the Lakers in six. I would love to see the upset, but LeBron, playoff LeBron is just a different animal. Yeah. Bubble or no bubble, so – yeah, I got I got the I got the Lakers in six. Unfortunately, um, I think for me, and we'll we'll go to the next one in a second. Uh, but I'll look at X factors, right? So my X factor uh, for the Lakers will have to be uh, their bench players, and in bench players, I'm gonna have to say the guys that they picked up for the bubble: Deion Waiters, <laughs> and, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, right, okay. and, and, and a possible J.R. Smith to come in and maybe help catalyze and hit some shots, uh, and even. If I build on top of that, the the major X factor that it's not a bench player is gonna have to be Kuz. You know what I'm saying? Can Kuz hit shots? We'll see. They're, I'm sure they're gonna drag him through the mud for whatever reason. For some reason, people hate Kuz. And all right, cool. You can hate Kuz. It's fine. <laughs> but he's gonna have to come through. You know, hitting the big shots and everything like that. Um, and then on the other side, my two for the Blazers are gonna have to be Melo. You know, and, and honestly, Melo's such a given, man. Hall of Fame player. It, he looks very effortless in hitting those threes. You have a Hall of Fame player that's just coming down the stretch. is a spot-up stretch player for you at this point, and you couldn't ask for a better spot-up stretch player than Melo at that point, who can also go and get his own buckets when it comes to him maybe playing with the second team as well. Then you have, you know, Nurkic, who, who for all intents and purposes is giving you <laughs> – 20 and 10. 20 to 30 each you know night. You know what I'm saying? 20 <laughs> and 30 each night, bro. I fuck so. with Nurk, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. He just came in and just does it. He so. just came off an injury. Like, most players take a whole season to get back. He yeah. was busting ass from the jump. And then we got Melo versus Brown. We haven't seen them play each other in the ever. playoffs ever. Ever. Um, in 17 years of play, which is crazy. Same draft class, all of that. So, it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, let's go with two versus seven. Clips versus Mavs. <laughs> Talk your shit, man. Talk my shit, man. Um, Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, is the best player at this age. He's the best player in the NBA. Um, you can. What does that mean? You, what do you mean? What does that mean? <laughs> what, do mean? what does that mean? You know what it means. Best player in the NBA. <laughs> they have arguably the best coach in the NBA. They have arguably the most depth in the NBA. Um, and you have four legit players who can give you 20 all together each night as well, too. So um, I think it's going to come down to, you know, I think it's just going to come down to experience. I just feel like the Clippers are the more experienced team. They're one of the few teams, them and, and, and the Celtics, who have um, top five offensive and defensive net rating as well, too. And I just feel like 
even though Luke is sensational, he's going to put up his numbers, Brazilian is going to put up his numbers, but I feel like they're going to have a low shooting percentage um, under their, their average for the season. And I think Luka's going to be turning the ball over a lot too because you got multiple bodies you can throw at Luka. Kawhi, PG, Morris, Reggie Jackson, Beverly's going to bother him as well too. So um, I think seeing Luka and Dallas play this year, they've showed that obviously they are the seventh seed, um, but they've showed that a lot of times during crunch time they blow their leads and they, they can't truly close. So I – have the Clippers sweeping them. Okay. Very, very hot take. Um, <laughs> just watching this, bro, you imagine like five, ten years, and God forbid this actually happened, but, you know, people move on in life and stuff like that, and you're trying to explain to a kid, and the kid asks you, hey, and you're like watching like old NBA highlights, why are there people at that game? <laughs> That's going to be wild. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, why, why are there fans? Mm-hmm. He's going to have to explain to them, well, before COVID, we had these things called arenas, and they were playing arena. That's just crazy. But I digress. Um, I'm going Clips. I got to put some respect a little bit on the Mavs name. I'm going to have to go Clips in five. Five. Gentleman sweep, okay. Gentleman sweep, yes. Yes, Clips in five. Uh, moving right along. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, three, <laughs> Denver versus uh, Utah. I'm going to have to go ahead and say it flat out. Get them out of there in four games, Denver, in four. You're tripping. <laughs> There's a player called Donovan Mitchell who is a walking bucket who I think can be a 1B on a team. And okay. it's just flat out his mind. Obviously, they're going to miss, the, miss their shooting guard. Honestly, it's going to be actually kind of tricky. You're not actually too crazy because I actually got a notification while we were recording, um, and it said that uh, – let me find it for you. Yeah. Mike Conley just gave birth, so he's not going to be available for game one. Mike he's, Conley gave birth. He's, he's, his wife. I know, I'm playing. I'm playing. Birth, so he's not going to be available for game one as well, too. So he's leaving the bubble. That's huge. So – and I know they have a four-day quarantine. Um, maybe they changed the rules. I haven't really kept up to date with that. But if he comes back, that's essentially they play every other day. That's essentially three games. So if they don't have Mike Conley, um, that might be a sweep. If everyone's full, like fully healthy, ready to go, um, I have Denver winning in six. I just have the utmost respect in Donovan Mitchell. Same, um, but Rudy Gobert is a huge defensive presence. I think he's going to give Jokic a bang for his buck. But Who's Denver's who's guarding like Bobo? I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> Denver's like the uh, you know the new A San Antonio Spurs, where you know they essentially built from the draft, and um, their coach can literally you know mix and match in their lineup and and find ways to win as well too. And I saw him experimenting a lot this time. Um, obviously, he has about I think two starters or two high volume players um, who've been in and out of the lineup this you know entirety of the season. But I feel like uh, you know he kind of took those last couple of games to play his starters in the first half. And then probably like within the fourth quarter, he puts his bench in to see, yo, who can I count on when it matters the most well too. So he's been experimenting. I just think they have too much depth. And I feel like with Michael Porter Jr., you know, this being his true rookie year, him sitting out all last year, gives them an extra punch. Jamal Murray's looking good. Jokic is nice. Paul Millsap's looking good. Their bench is solid. So um, They've been here before, um, and they're looking for revenge as well, too. They lost to Portland in seven games uh, last year, so in the second round. So I think uh, they're motivated. They have the most chemistry. They have uh, the most depth, and their star power might just be too much for for uh, for Utah to hold up. So with Mike Conley, six games. Denver, without Mike Conley, a sweep. I'm going to stand by what I said and just go like that. I have the hot take. We'll see what happens. Okay. We'll see what happens. Um, last but not least, a very interesting series indeed. Uh, we got P, uh, the two teams that have exchanged players, you know, the last few years. Uh, OKC and number four seed, Houston. Uh, I'm going to come out and I'm going to go Houston in six. Um, and that's, that's generously giving – uh, OKC okay, extra game just because it's how they've played, how good they've been this year, right? I'm, I'm, I'm spotting them one game, uh, but I don't see them prevailing over 
Houston, and if they somehow some way prevail over Houston, then it's time to blow that whole experiment up, at least for, via coaching standpoint and, and small ball. If they come out and they upset Houston in any way, shape, or form. But I have to put some respect on Chris Paul's name, the Young Guns' name, uh, Roberson, uh, Aquaman over there, Steven Adams. Um, you got to put some respect on their name. So I'm giving them two games. Uh, but I think a well-oiled Houston machine and James Harden not being able to uh, – not you, somebody not being able to guard James Harden at all, you know, I'm going to have to give him that, as well as Rush coming down, barreling down the floor and just being pissed off all the time. So Houston and six. Um, well – that sounds sweet, but I mean, you got to remember Russell Westbrook has a strained quadricep, um, and we don't know if he's going to be able to play all the games. Uh, I know there's been reports saying that with Russell Westbrook, he's going to miss uh, at least one game. Um, we know he's an Iron Man like LeBron James, but if it wasn't for that Pat Beverly injury, he probably have not missed any games only because of rest, to be honest. But um, if Russell Westbrook doesn't play, you got to think about it. Like, the whole reason why they got rid of Clint Capella was because of Russell Westbrook's yeah. deficiencies, which he can't really shoot. So they decided to take a whole new route, um, add Covington and some other pieces, and literally just play small ball and beat you by attacking the room with Russell Westbrook, James Harden doing his dance, or just putting up high-volume threes. Um, so... If Russell Westbrook isn't there, granted, I saw Chris Paul go to a Houston game because he already knew in his head they were going to be playing each other in the first round. He's getting his revenge. He's motivated. They they kind of try to get a – there's been reports saying that James Harden said, you're either going to have to choose me or Chris Paul. So, um, so that's Chris crazy. move on and whatnot. Obviously, with Russell Westbrook, if he's able to play, um, he's going up against his former team. So you know he's going to have that and – you know, and he's a healthy Chris Paul. Yeah, he's a healthy Chris Paul, knock on wood. Um, and Russell Westbrook hasn't been out the first round since Katie's been there, so he's going to be motivated as well too. But if Russell Westbrook can't play majority of this series, I have OKC winning in seven because Oof. they match up with them actually pretty good. I mean, you got Shy, you got Dennis Schroeder, and you have Chris Paul um, who can legit give you 20-plus each night. Galinari's no slouch as well, too. All-star caliber type of player. You got Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel, who's going to beat you up in the post. Uh, so they have a pretty balanced attack as well, too. But it's going to come down to Russell Westbrook because I feel like James Harden, obviously, he's been an MVP. Arguably, you can argue him being MVP every single year as well, too. But there's a reason why it's a team game. He can't do it by himself. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be interesting because they're in the bubble. There's no home court advantage as well, too. So let's say if James Harden can at least split the series 1-1 Russell Westbrook's comeback, I have OKC winning. I mean, um, I have Houston winning in seven. But gotcha. it really depends on if Russell Westbrook can play or not. So we'll give two scenarios. If Russell Westbrook can play at least from two games two on – I have the Houston winning in seven. If he can't, I have OKC winning seven. But regardless, I think it's going seven games. That's very admirable. And uh, with all the updates and the injuries, um, I can piggyback off of that. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm going to still stand by uh, my, my Houston in six. You know, I have a little different of opinion. But with all that being said, straight like that. And with that, I think that is the conclusion of episode 90. Yes, 9-0 of the Caesar Show, man. I appreciate y'all rocking with us. Any last words? I'm flattered. He asked me for <laughs> last words. Um, I mean, it's not going to be a, a Oscar-worthy monologue like yours, but um, yeah, thank you guys for you know tuning in episode 90. All I want to say is I hope you know our podcast has been good content delivered to you all. Like I said, make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at the Caesar Show, at Sir Caesar's, at TradeXXIV, or you can call it Trade Fives, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but continue to, um, you know, you know, attack each day with a goal in mind, continue to be passionate, continue to give back, continue to just be a well-rounded person um, and, and just enjoy life to the fullest. You only got one life to live in. And the playoffs start Monday. Who's Monday. not excited for the playoffs to start on Monday, Monday. man? Monday. It's going to be a lot of story, and a lot of headlines. So I'm excited to for you guys to listen to this. It's a new you know, take two with Trey uh, leading the way as well, too. And I'm excited <laughs> for the playoffs. So those are my closing remarks. Hey, you already know, man. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the support. Shout out Cliff. Shout out Cell. Shout out G. Um, and shout out to the essential workers once 
again. Um, front lines, front lines. Yeah, the front lines. Uh, shout out everybody out there in the communities making a difference. And and first and foremost, man, if you're a student, be safe. Shout out to all the teachers and the professors, uh, whether it be online or in person. Um, you are undervalued, but the, the glue to everything that always goes nice. on, to development of, of children, you nice. are their safe haven, everything. Nice. So shout out to teachers. With all that being said, Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, love life, man. This is episode 90 of the Caesar Show. Trade XXIV, Sir Caesar. So we out. We out.